If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. I think as a creator, you have a responsibility. If you have a community of people who listen to you and that are there to see what you are saying, you know, that's a very important microphone that you have. And so I know my mother would expect nothing less from me than to use that in a positive way. What is up, everyone? This is Thrive Five, and I'm your host, Clarice Metzger, a storyteller and strategist at Thrive Global. In every episode of this podcast, we talk to women about how they thrive in this world and explore the crucial link between self-care and confidence. We hear stories of women who went from surviving to thriving and learn tips for boosting our well-being so we can unlock more resilience and joy within ourselves. This week, I'm talking to DJ and wellness entrepreneur Hannah Bronfman about being open with her fertility journey, the pressure on Black creators in this moment, and being pregnant in quarantine. Let's get into it. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. Of course. So this show is all about how prioritizing our well-being, it's a critical ingredient to our overall success. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to hear about your journey because similar to Ariana Huffington, Thrive's founder and CEO, you had an experience with burnout that led you to prioritize your own well-being. So can you tell us about that turning point where you decided to get serious about your health? Yeah, absolutely. So I was DJing nightclubs in New York City straight out of college in about in like 2010 to 2012. And a couple years prior, while I was still in college and, and my grandmother passed away, I had um, committed myself to being living the happiest and healthiest version of myself because my grandmother actually passed away uh, she was anorexic, um, and she just, you know, ultimately her body could not sustain her any, any longer or support her. Um, and when she passed, I knew that I had to like live like, you know, the happiest and healthiest version of myself, not only for myself, but for her too. Cause I know that she did not want that life for anyone. So fast forward, I'm, you know, DJing, I was like just fully not taking care of myself. I mean, my lifestyle was, you know, DJing from 11 p.m. until 4 a.m., you know, for at least four nights a week, just, you know, sleeping all day, you know, maybe having one meal a day. And you could see visibly on my face, like through my skin, everything that this lifestyle was really deteriorating me from the inside out. And it was made apparent to me that this was completely unsustainable. Um, so I kind of woke up one morning and I said, you know, what happened to that commitment I made to myself a few years ago? And I made the conscious decision of switching up my kind of my lifestyle. And I 
you know, I, I was DJing, so I needed to figure out a way how to still DJ, but utilize my days and really prioritize my health. So I made the switch from DJing nightlife to DJing corporate events. Not only was the money better in in the corporate world, but it really allowed me to utilize um, my day more properly and prioritize my sleep, my healthy eating habits, getting back to the gym, like figuring out what was going on with my skin and just prioritizing myself rather than living this really hectic lifestyle. Thank you for sharing that story. I'm also sure that being pregnant has changed your relationship with your body and food as well. And congrats on your pregnancy with your husband, Brendan, by the way. That is so exciting. Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, So can you speak to how being pregnant has changed you and the conversations you hope to have with your child around these things? I've always been, you know, in awe of what women can do, but I don't know. It resonates on a completely different level when it's actually Mm -hmm. you who's growing a human. Like it's very, I feel like I'm like starring in my own sci-fi film or something. It's very, (laughs) it's very wild. Um, It was a bit of a long road for us to get here. And so I had Mm -hmm. to do a lot of um, visualization and um, kind of manifestation in order to get to this place. And so a lot of that work for me was envisioning myself with this big belly. And I think I'm finally there. It took a little bit longer for me to develop that belly, I think, than I thought originally, which um, it's funny. I feel like in some ways I almost was nervous about being like, belly shamed that I was like going to be like too small or something. Anyway, so I've just felt that um, I felt really strong and I felt really confident and really great in my skin. And I, I feel like every morning I wake up and I'm like, I look in the mirror and I'm like, wow, I have this beautiful big belly and I can't believe it's going to be gone so soon. It seems very surreal to me. We're living in such crazy times. Like every, like when I like envisioned myself pregnant three years ago, when we first started trying, you know, I thought like I'd be going on the subway and people would be giving me their seats. You know what I mean? Like all like, all like the cute things that like come with like the advantages of being pregnant. And obviously like all that stuff is fully out the window. Um, and sometimes I'm like in a grocery store and like someone's like bumped into me and I'm like, really? Like, you can't like, hello, like, no, no, no. Like I've got the right way here. Like, right. Hello. I'm pregnant. Like, <laughs> um, I think it's so interesting that you bring up, um, society's views on like body shaming pregnant women. I read a really interesting article about a woman who constantly received compliments on how she was barely showing. And she was like, no, I want to be showing. Like, I want you to see my big belly and this life that I'm growing inside of me. So I think it's so interesting that you mentioned that. Yeah, um, I couldn't agree more. Um, So you talk about it being a long road to getting pregnant and you've really been open about this journey and have shared it with your followers on Instagram. And honestly, thankfully, social media has in my opinion, helped kind of normalize it. I think that a lot of people just imagine pregnancy being this glamorous, beautiful thing. And like you have a big belly and then you have a baby and it's all so easy, but that's not at all the truth. So why did you decide to be open about this part of your life in particularly? And how would you say this openness helped you through your own experience? Totally. Okay. So I guess for me, when we first experienced our miscarriage, 
it, I was going through such a weird, um, experience because I had, I hadn't told my best friends that I was pregnant because they say, you know, you shouldn't tell people you're pregnant until you're 12 weeks in case you lose, you know, the baby, which is very common one in four pregnancies, um, and in a miscarriage, um, within the first, you know, 12 weeks. And when I had to tell my friends that, Hey, by the way, not only was I pregnant, but I've also lost the baby. Like it just felt horrible. And I felt very isolated in my experience. It was great once I told my friends and they were there for me, but none of them had been through it. So I kind of felt like very isolated in terms of where this community of women were, like, where are these like one in four pregnancies, right? Like, where's that community of women? Um, And so then when we started to kind of share with some of our friends who um, were married and had kids and all that, they were like, oh yeah, like that happened to us. Like, you know, we had two or what, like all of a sudden when we started talking about it, so many other people had said that they had been through the same experience, which just like made me feel so much more at ease. And I just thought to myself, how is this not talked about more openly in the media, like on Instagram, like maybe I just haven't found the the community or the hashtag or whatever. Um, And so I decided, well, Brendan and I decided that this was something we were going to talk about because it was, it was made very clear to us that this was, we were not alone, but yet we don't talk about it as a society. And and so many women have to suffer through this in silence. And it's just, why do that to yourself when it is so common? Um, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it, there's so much um, emotion that is surrounding you know, fertility journeys and like, you just, it sucks having to do it and go through, go through it alone. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with DJ and wellness entrepreneur, Hannah Bronfman. No one wants to cut corners on a good night's rest. So why sleep on sheets that are just good enough? If you dream of comfortable sheets at a price that won't keep you up all night, look no further than Bowl and Branch. Bolin Branch makes the softest organic sheets on the market using 100% sustainable raw materials. As the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linen, you can feel as good about your sheets as they feel against your skin. Their signature hemmed sheets are made from lightweight organic cotton that gets softer with every wash. And they come in seven colors, from twin up to California king. Best of all, Bolin Branch gives you a fair price and a 30-day risk-free trial with free shipping and returns. So, experience the best sheets you've ever felt, only at BowlingBranch.com. Get 15% off your first set when you use promo code SLEEP at checkout. That's BowlingBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code SLEEP. Yeah, I mean, going back to the importance of community... The fact of the matter that you being so open and honest on your social, to your point, allows other women and partners struggling with their own journey to know that they're not alone in this process. Mm -hmm. We use social to just highlight the highs, but it is, I think, also important to just be real and let people know. So thank you for sharing 
your journey with us overall. Um, I know that people are so excited that you are about to bring a little bundle of joy into the world. Um, so super excited for you. Thank you. Thank you. And I think you're right. Like for us, we are getting our happy ending, but it's such a long road for so many people. And, and we've seen through other celebrities recently who are sharing the really, really hard and tough moments where it doesn't all work out. And, you know, I think this community of women are so grateful for the good and the bad. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. So you've also said that your outlook on your body, relationship, life, and gratitude shifted after struggling with something that society likes to tell us comes very naturally to so many women, even though that one in four statistic, which I wasn't aware of, but that is Mm -hmm. so like shattering. Um, Mm -hmm. So can you speak to those shifts that you experienced? Up until we started IVF, I felt like I was trying to control everything. Like, you know, whether I was having caffeine or um, trying to cycle sync, which is like eating for your hormones and cause your hormones change like basically weekly during your cycle. And so they say that like things that you can eat can, you know, for like, um, what's the word boost? Yeah. Boost fertility. Um, oh, and like kind of help with PMS and all these things anyway. So I was very controlling, um, in terms of what I was trying to do to help the process along And I think for me, when I finally committed to going through IVF, I was like, okay, you know what? All of this other stuff that I've tried hasn't worked. And I think I just need to give into this process and do the best that I can and be like, do the best that I can of this process. So that means like, you know, I'm going to be really, I'm going to be on time every single night when I need to give myself my shot. And I just kind of let the, the shots and the hormones do all the work for me. And otherwise Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to just take care of myself. So that meant for me, like, you know, obviously go like the world is different now, but that meant like, going out to dinners with friends during that process, having a glass of wine or tequila when I was out with my girlfriends, like, you know, I told all of my support people that I was going through this process. um, Mm -hmm. And so that I could have the emotional support that I needed. And so once I kind of just like committed myself to that and didn't overthink it, I felt like a huge sense of like relief. And then when we did have our successful outcome, um, through IVF, I, it really was like the win that I mentally needed. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure after a rocky journey, um, this road to pregnancy, there is of course a certain stress that comes along with actually getting pregnant and like reaching those results that you had been striving for, for the past couple of years. But then with the added layer of being in a pandemic, like you just mentioned. Um, Mm -hmm. So one of our micro steps at Thrive is identifying stress triggers, but then focusing on adopting any small steps that you can take to alleviate that stress before it becomes overwhelming. So Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like for you, whether it's a positive affirmation or it's being in nature, taking a walk, reaching out to your community, whatever. So I'm really curious to know, how have you been managing your stress during this time? I will say that in the beginning of the pregnancy and also the beginning of the pandemic, I 
was definitely on my phone a lot. I was trying to like do the most in terms of, um, you know, scheduling lives and trying to be this very like motivational figure. And, um, I would literally like schedule lives twice a day. And then like, because I was also my first grade master, I'd like literally nap in between them. And so I realized that like my life kind of became this like very online situation. Um, you know, my whole like kind of career basically shifted to social media because, you know, a lot of what I do, whether it was like appearances or DJ gigs or um, community-based events, you know, all that's out the window now. So I was really in the beginning trying to be so extra. And I was like so exhausted. It was my first trimester and I was like just so tired. And then I was like, okay, wait, I need to like fall back for a hot sec. And then with everything that was happening with, you know, the BLM movement and, and just the insane, um, kind of violence that we were seeing, I really then needed to take a step back because, um, it was really affecting me on an, on like a very profound level. And yeah, I think that's also what the same time everyone else was feeling really fatigued with media and being online, I felt like, you know, what went from everyone trying to do the most, everyone kind of like fell back. And that's kind of how I felt as well. And I also just, I really needed time to process a lot of what was going on. And I felt a little annoyed by how much pressure was put on Black creators um, during Mm. that time. I felt like you know, the blackout Tuesday that everyone did, like, did anyone ask us if we were prepared for that blackout Tuesday? But like, right. you know, like, cause it was for everyone who isn't a black creator to be like muted so that our voices could be amplified. But like, did anyone ask me if I was ready to speak or like if I yeah. had gathered my thoughts and feelings to like put something eloquent together to again, like teach other people, you know, it just yep. felt like really quite annoying to be honest um and throughout all of this really what like had me staying grounded was conversation with my husband and we also had like um like a little quarantine crew we had we had a four other people living with us during our quarantine really good conversation helped me stay grounded, but also then taking time for myself and sitting in the bath. Like that's also where I would feel kind of inspired to then get on my stories and like have a conversation with myself out loud to kind of work through some of these things that I was thinking about and Mm -hmm. feeling and um, just kind of wanted to share my opinion on this, the stress now. I, I think I've shifted from, um, Well, first of all, I've kind of disconnected myself from my social media. Like I, I'm very present on social, but I also don't, I limit my time of like scrolling. I cannot see anything, you know, violent before going to bed anymore. Yeah. Um, And I also have to, whenever I have a negative thought coming into my head, whether it's like 
you know, because I've heard a crazy birth story or I'm constantly reminded that, you know, the mortality rate for black women in the U S is so much higher than it is for their white counterpart. Like it's, it goes from being rational, like something like that to completely irrational. Like if I'm, I was swimming in the ocean earlier this summer and literally thought to myself, what if a shark comes and literally bites my stomach off? Like completely irrational. So it goes, Oh my God. No, it's crazy. So I think for me, whenever those like negative thoughts start to creep up, I literally just rewrite the narrative in a positive way and start Mm -hmm. repeating that to myself. And it really helps me calm down. Okay, we're going to take a super quick break, but we'll be right back with DJ and wellness entrepreneur, Hannah Brockman. I want to quickly go back to what you said about this pressure on Black creators to speak out when literally witnessing a person who could be your father, your brother, mm-hmm. murdered. Um I think that that is so important that you said that as myself, as a Black creator, it, it was really difficult trying to strike that balance of, okay, I still have to be professional in my nine to five. Mm-hmm. I want to find a way to uplift and inspire my community, mm-hmm. but then I just need to process this as a Black person living yeah. through this time. Yeah, um, 100%. And then diving into current events mm-hmm. and how you have been using your platform to also, you know, get people out to vote, calling out white supremacy, DJing for the Biden campaign, which is so, so dope. Um, can you speak to why it is so important to you to use your platform, not just for wellness topics, but also to talk about racial justice and politics? You even mentioning, you know, that the mortality rate for black mothers is higher in America. This isn't, these aren't things that people want to talk about. So why do you think it's so important to use your platform in this way? I don't know. I feel like it's my like moral and social responsibility to um, share things that are really important to me. And I, like I said, Mm -hmm. like I've always been very transparent in my journey and this is where my journey has led me. You know, I think now more than ever, um, you know, even just being kind of like in the wellness industry, I, for so long, I was like the only one that looked like me. And it's not because black creators in the wellness industry don't exist. It's just because corporate America is deciding not to uplift those voices. Not only is it important for me to kind of talk the talk and lead by example, but I just feel like it's what I'm like, supposed to do. And now more than ever, our country is so divided. And, you know, I, I honestly felt as well as a, as a very avid consumer, um, of all things, wellness Mm -hmm. and, you know, millennial, I felt very annoyed watching some of these people that I had previously followed, not talk about these things. And yep. so I felt like I wanted to mute <laughs> I wanted to mute them because I didn't care what they were talking about um because it felt really contrived and just not politically charged or socially charged and, and I know it's hard to be that way every day you know and I'm not saying that I am that way every day but when there are times for you to speak up and speak out 
I think as a creator, you have a responsibility. If you have a community of people who listen to you and that are there to see what you are saying, you know, that's a very important microphone that you have. And so I know my mother would expect nothing less from me than to use that in a positive way and try to really help the community see it from multiple different vantage points. And I think for me, my vantage point right now is really focused on, like you said, like just shining light on what's really going down, whether it's the election, whether it's um, black mortality rates, you know, um, and then, you know, I get to do some cool things like, you know, DJ for uh, the Biden campaign. I did something with uh, Michelle Obama and When We All Vote, which was so cool. And oh, yeah. And so like, dope. You know, that's for me, like icing on the cake like that, you know, obviously that is just like such an amazing thing to be a part of. And when I, when I think back about telling this kid about what it was like to be pregnant during a pandemic, it's like, you know, I have every intention of being on the right side of history. So I, I don't know. It just feels like it's just a part of this journey. And I think for people who, you know, work in social media to think that their influence doesn't matter in the ways that we've kind of just talked about is really quite short-sighted and naive. Yeah. I mean, you can't see me, but I'm over here like, yes, like this is like exactly what we need people who have these large platforms and large followings to, to do in my humble opinion. <laughs> so, you know, take a stand and to what you said, be on the right side of history. Like you literally know what the right side is. So please hop on that side. So on the topic of using your platform for change, things like that, um, I absolutely hate that diversity and inclusion has become buzzwords um, during this time, but mm-hmm. that is kind of the unfortunate reality that DNI is trendy right now across industries, definitely yeah. including the fitness and wellness industry. Um, but the reality is that mainstream fitness, you just mentioned this, mainstream wellness is still very white, very thin, and honestly, inaccessible for a lot of people. So I'm really curious, as a Black woman in the wellness space, how do you think the wellness industry can do a better job at becoming more inclusive? So I think it stems from a few different things, right? I think from a hiring perspective, you know, if you don't have diversity and inclusion on your executive side of your business, um, then everything you do kind of is, ends up being through this white lens. Um, but I actually had a call recently with a company, uh, a wellness company, and they said, how do we, you know, our candidates of who we're trying to hire are not diverse. And I said, well, you have to put your job listing in a place where a diverse audience is going to see it. Go to Howard, like put up their job listing there. Like, you know, people not to cut you off, but I'm Howard alum. So yes, go to Howard. I love that. (laughs) I love that. Actually, I have to say like when I was on my book tour and I went to DC, the amount of Howard love I got was just 
I mean, it literally, I could cry thinking about it. It was amazing. Um, so go Howard. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So like putting your job postings in places that might be unfamiliar to you because you're used to just like going on LinkedIn. Um, but like these, these systems need rework reworking. And so it's really about, yes. um, actually like reworking them from like step one, not like step six. And then I think brands have a really hard time right now because anyone who is hiring black creators or, um, you know, putting people of color on their Instagrams, it can seem like, oh, you're just jumping on the bandwagon. But at the end of the day, it is still important. And hopefully it's not just a trend, but rather Mm -hmm. an entire new ecosystem for them. So I, again, I think it really starts at a hiring level um, because otherwise you're doing everything through a white lens and clearly people need a different perspective. Oh, I think that is perfect to end on. So now we're going to transition into your Thrive Five in which I will ask you five rapid fire questions and you just go ahead and answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. First, what's your morning ritual? My morning ritual right now is to take probiotics on an empty stomach and then have a nice large glass of warm water with a bit of sea salt and Mm. maybe a little bit of apple cider vinegar, but it really depends because my acid reflux these days is like through the roof and I never know what's going to trigger it. Awesome. Um, Your favorite (laughs) form of self-care in quarantine? My favorite form of self-care in quarantine, hands down, has been taking a bath. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that I launched a CBD bath bomb um, during quarantine. And it has been saving me not only for, like, my muscles and, like, my joints and everything, but just, like, helping me fully relax um, and also carve out that 20 minutes a week that I'm really taking for myself to feel grounded in the tub. Is there a movie that instantly puts you in a good mood? Oh my God. Yes. I'd have to say like the labyrinth, which is like semi-random, but like old school, David Bowie, Jennifer Connelly. Perfect. Uh, what's your go-to trick for getting focused when you're feeling distracted? I honestly, I close my phone. What everything that distracts me is like all the extras on my phone that are completely useless to me when I need to get work done. Uh, anything you've read lately that changed your perspective or made you think? Um, yeah, I, I mean, babies on the brain. So I'm just gonna say that I read um, Ina May Gaskin. Um, she wrote a book called Guide to Childbirth, and it's mostly about very positive birthing experiences, which is exactly kind of what I'm looking for. Um, because as I mentioned, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm surrounded by negative birth stories because they are rampant right now in the U S. Um, so it's definitely changed my perspective on, um, on labor. I'm sure many other expecting parents listening will appreciate that. 
Hannah, thank you so, so much for your time today. This was such a great conversation. Clarissa, I had such a great time as well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to how this comes out. Thrive Five is an iHeartRadio podcast. From iHeart, our executive producer is Carrie Lieberman. Our Thrive Global team includes producers Marina Kadekel and Margarita Bertzos. Our talent booker is Lindsay Benoit O'Connell. Special thanks to Ann Sachs and Madison Odenberg. Our production partner is Neon Hum Media. Jonathan Hirsch and Shara Morris are the executive producers. Our lead producer is Joanna Clay. Hansdale Sue engineered this episode and composed our theme music. See you next week. <laughs> 